quit. We're in week two of this series, which is called Supernatural. Not to worry about copyright there at all. And so we're talking about the supernatural power of God, about miracles that he did. Uh, last week, we talked about one of the most amazing miracles, the parting of the Red Sea. And, and, and one of the more amazing things that goes along with it is he had just done so much for the Israelites. He had freed them from slavery with ten plagues. And then they're standing before this sea, and they start to question him, and yet he still loved them. He still was there. He still answered. And so it tells us that if we are patient when we face our troubles, if we are patient when we have bad days, if we are patient when things are going wrong, then God will answer as long as we seek him, as long as we try to be like him, as long as we try to find him. And so sometimes it takes being still. It takes being patient. This week we're going to talk about courage and, and how sometimes you uh, do need to move forward. Sometimes you do need to stand up. Sometimes you do need to be the voice that people hear. And so I want to read from Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the presence of Babylon. There he sent then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So basically what is happening here is King Nebuchadnezzar was really feeling himself. And so he was saying, uh, I want everybody to worship me. I understand that you guys worship your own God. I understand that you're in exile. I understand that all of these things uh, are going through your heads. But we're going to come together and everybody's going to worship me. And so like his astrologers and the people that were with him were like, hey, you know what? You need to have a statue that everybody can pray to. And then at a certain time of day, you'll play music and everybody will pray to you. That's a good idea, right? And because he liked to hear good things about himself, he's like, sure, good idea. And so he sets up this statue, and it's a giant statue. Ninety feet tall is really tall. Uh, that is roughly the size of a football field long, a little smaller, but it's like really tall. And so it's a giant statue of him, and it was in the center of the city, and everybody at the certain point of day was supposed to pray to it. Um, and so as, as things were, were going along, like everybody was scared of the king because this is not the day where you can kind of complain about your leaders and, and your teachers and your principals and your professors, your pastors, where you can complain about anybody that is in charge, which is okay. Uh, this was a time where if you said something bad about the king, you were dead, like you were, your head was chopped off or something. And, and so uh, there were a lot of people, the Jewish faith, uh, people of that followed God, they were like, we're not going to do this. Like, we literally are not supposed to have any gods before him. We can't pray. And so they would uh, go to their homes at that time of day. They would pray to God secretly. They would uh, pray to God for strength, for courage. And so most people were okay with it. They were like, you know, do your own. But there were some people who wanted to build themselves up. Some people who were like, you know what, this sucks because they have something to believe in. They have someone to believe in. They think that, that they're a part of something more. And so we're going to take that down. Because one of the things that I've said a lot, one of the things that I will say a lot, is it's always easier to tear someone down than to build yourself up. And so in your life, like sometimes the better you do, the more together your life feels, the happier you are. Uh, uh, the more uh, in love you feel, the more close to Christ you feel, the, the just the better everything feels, the more you'll find that people want to tear you down, want to hurt you, because they will see that. And usually when you see someone who's living a strong Christian life, and by that I mean actually living it, not just saying they're Christian, but like going out in the world and doing good and, and treating others like you want to be treated and not judging and loving people and doing all the things that Jesus did, when people see that sometimes, it makes them feel bad. And they're like, well, this, this sucks. Like, I feel like I'm missing something now. And, and so there are some people who see that and are like, okay, 
well, I'm missing something. I need to find out what, what's missing. What's different about them? What can they do? Uh, and, and so they will actually ask or they will change or they will go forward. But most people will see that and be like, this makes me feel bad. I don't like it. And, and so they'll complain about you. They'll talk about you. They'll hurt you. They'll mock you. They'll spread rumors about you. They'll try to tear you down so that you fall down to their level. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a couple of really close friends who uh, got really into partying and drinking. And so they knew that I didn't, that I went to church, that I did all of these things where, where I felt differently about it. And, and so their goal was to try to get me to drink. It was stupid because it's like, what does, what does what I do affect them at all? I wasn't going up to them and saying, hey, you guys are wrong and stupid. I wasn't saying anything to them. I, they were living their life. Uh, but they saw me, and every time they would see me not do something, every time they would see me not get in trouble, every time they would see me do the right thing or whatever, uh, then they, they would be like, man, this makes me feel really bad. But it's really hard to change myself, so I'm going to try to tear him down. And you guys have probably faced stuff like that in your lives. Uh, and, and not just in a Christian uh, standpoint, but like when you're doing really good in school, when you're doing really good in your sport, when you're doing really good uh, with music, with, with dance, with whatever it is you do, when things are going really well for you, when you're doing your best, when you're, you're doing things right, people will come at you. Uh, we see it all the time. One of the things that, that people love to do in, in our culture, in our society, is build up superstars, like build up uh, celebrities build up like the Tom Cruises of the world to where they're at the heights and then we wait for this chance where they mess up or they do something stupid so we can tear them back down and we do that in every sense of the word and people do that with other people uh, you've probably had people spread rumors about you. you've probably had people say that bad things about you. you've probably had people uh, get mad at you for stupid things and on the honest side like you've probably done that to other people too because people suck sometimes and people are stupid sometimes but when we follow God if we continue to follow him even when we mess up if we continue to try to do better even when we mess up he will still be there for us and he will help us through those times and so uh, we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego which you've probably heard before because they have names that really stand out and aren't like Joe, Tom, and Arnold, like they're, they're legit names, and there's a lot of names in a second I'm going to have to read that are really hard, so just bear with me. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were just God followers. Like there was nothing special uh, about them. It, it, they're like us. They were people who lived in a country uh, that, that just, they wanted to be like God. They wanted to serve him. They wanted to follow him. And so they didn't want to pray. They weren't going around saying, hey, the king has to die. They weren't going around saying, let's plan to take down the king. Let's tear down the statue. They were just saying, look, we don't agree with what everybody else is doing. We're going to live as God followers, and we're going to do our own thing. We're going to do what we feel is right. But there were a lot of people who were advisors who wanted to build themselves up and, and wanted to move up in the ranks. They wanted the king to like them and say, oh, wow, you're so cool because you uh, tattled. Like, that's the best thing in the world. You tattled on these people. And so they went to the king, and they're like, hey, you know, uh, there are some Jewish people, uh, and, and they have really funny names, but but they're not at all praying to you. They're not at all doing what you're saying to do. So you need to talk to them. You need to change this. You need to stop this. Now, before that, they were still doing it. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know about it. No one was being hurt. But after that, Nebuchadnezzar knew about it. And so sometimes when people have their ego hit, all they can do is focus. So we're going to go to uh, Daniel 3, 13 through 18, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. And basically before what I just read, uh, what I'm about to read, Nebuchadnezzar said, I need you guys to stand before my statue and to give yourselves to it. And so here we go with Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage 
and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made uh, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then that God will be able to what God will be able to rescue you from my power. So basically, he calls them to the principal's office, and they're standing there, and, and they didn't do anything wrong, so they can clearly say, hey, we're not doing anything wrong. I didn't cheat. I didn't uh, talk in class. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't push that kid. They started it. Whatever you want to say. Uh, no, mom, somebody else broke the jar. Like, whatever it is. Um, and so they're standing there, and he's just yelling because even though they didn't do anything to him, his ego is hurt. And he's hurt because of that, because he is that statue. Uh, he is his money. He is his position. He doesn't care about anything else. His identity is found in what other people think of him. And, and so he basically is saying, you guys will bat down and worship. Now, there will be times in your life where something similar to this may happen, where maybe somebody, a, a professor or even a teacher or, or a, a someone of, a, of authority someday may say, listen, you have to do this to keep this job. You have to work every single Sunday to keep this job. Now, some people have to do that, and, and there are ways to get church otherwise. Uh, when I was, before I became a youth pastor, I worked in a group home for youth. And, and my thing when I came in was, listen, I'm volunteering with the teens at my church in Seymour, and, and so I want to be available on Wednesdays and Sundays. I'll work literally any other day. And I said that to them, like, cool. Now, you will find this out as you get jobs, that you will start out by saying, hey, can I get off on these days? It's for church or something like that. Uh, and they will say, cool. And then as things go, they will be like, ah, yeah, you know how last week you said you needed to be off and we said yes? You now work for us and we changed our minds, so we need you to do exactly this. Now, depending on where you are in your life, depending on how much you need the money, depending on what your morals are, depending on what your personal convictions are, all kinds of things. What you do there is a choice, and it is your choice. For me, when I was faced with that, and they started working me every Sunday and every Wednesday, I said, listen, I, I, I gotta go. Like, I cannot do this. I will not judge someone who doesn't say that, but you have to be open to your own personal convictions in that case. For me, it was a matter of that's how I served the Lord. That's how I helped the Lord. That's how I felt the Lord. And so it was important to me. And so if you do grow up and you become a nurse or an officer or someone who does work on Sundays and you are a Christian, work out church in some other ways. And we live in a wonderful place, a wonderful world now in some ways, in other ways it's awful, where you have technology and you have ways to go to church on days that aren't Sunday, on, on days where you can kind of make up for it. And it's still difficult and it's something that you'll deal with over time. But regardless, there are going to be times where you have to choose between a, a, a dance in church, where you have to choose between school and church, where you have to choose between uh, a vacation and something like that. And when I say church, I don't mean that attendance is all that matters. That's not how you get into heaven. I mean your relationship with God. Because I will say this, because there are a lot of people who will say, you have to go to church every single Sunday and every single Wednesday and every single Tuesday and every single else, or you're not a real Christian. And there are other people that say, I can be a Christian without ever going to church. Now, technically, on a technical aspect, that can be true, but only for a while. Because if you never go to church, ever, 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 in any way, any church, and you're like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, 
eventually you're going to run into something or you're going to run into someone. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be hurt. Something's going to happen. And you're going to be like, well, I don't have anyone around me that is a support system. I don't hear anything from the word. I don't worship him. And so it's going to affect you. It's going to change you. It will become impossible. And so... (coughs) And so that's why it's something that is important. It's not that you go, it's why you go. It's what you go for, it's who you go for, to worship him, to, to learn from him. It's kind of like if you are uh, going to be in a play or you have a big game coming up. Those are two very different things. A- and you're like, okay, I've got a big soccer match coming up, and, and I really want to win this match because it's huge, and it's against Lakota West or Lakota East or Mason. Who I don't know where everybody goes to school. It's whatever your rival is. And it's like, we've got to win this because if we don't, Chastity's going to make us run like 75 laps, and Rob's going to throw dodgeballs at us while we're running, and it's going to be rough, and it's going to suck. And so we've got to win this because otherwise everything is going to crash down and our school is going to get taken away from us. I realize that's not bad for most of you. Uh, My car is going to get taken away from something that you care about is going to be taken away, and it's just going to really suck. And so you're like, but I've got to do this. But then you're like, but I don't want to practice. Practice? What are you talking about practice? I don't want to practice at all. And so you're like, every day you're not going to practice, but you're still a soccer player. You're still a basketball player. You're still in the play, but you don't go to practice at all. And then you get to the day of the game or the day of the show, and you forget your lines, or you don't know where the formation is, or something. And so technically, you are still a soccer player, you are still an actor, whatever it is that we're talking about. But because you didn't practice, because you didn't fill yourself with that, you have nothing when it comes down to it. And so that's what I'm talking about with with Christianity and church. And so that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are faced with here. They know their life is about worshiping God. And they're only supposed to worship God. They only want to worship him. And so now they have a king, a king who can kill them, a king who can hide their bodies, a king who can get away with anything, saying, you are now, you've ticked me off, and you're in front of me, and you now must worship me, or that's it. And so they now have an option. They now have an option that some of you will have in different ways, that some of us have already had in different ways. And their option is they can stand there and say, okay, we are always going to worship our God, but we will go to the statue. Is that enough? Or something. Make some kind of compromise. And then on their own, ask for forgiveness and go to God. I would not do that. I don't know. Like, that's a personal call on something like that. But their other option is to just give in completely and lose their faith. And then their third option is to stand before him and say no. And that's the hardest one. And that's what we're going to get to. And so this is verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So I want to go to, to what they said. Because obviously they stood up and they stood up for God and they stood up for what they believed in. But they did it respectfully. Now, a lot of people will see an opportunity. They look for opportunities to to stand up for injustice, to stand up for what's right, to stand up for what they believe in. And that is wonderful, and that is always a good thing. But a lot of people are doing it not because of what they believe in, but because they get to make a name for themselves by s- standing up for that. You will see in like the, the debates coming up in, all, in Congress, President, everything that happens in politics, you will hear people shout 
about what they say they believe in, but they don't act, not all of them, but a lot of them don't actually care about what they're saying. They just want people to say, oh, wow, listen to what they said. Can you believe they stood up and said that? Can you believe that they stood up for those people? Can you believe that they did this? Can you believe that they gave that much to charity? And then they get home and they don't care anymore. Again, that's not everybody, but you see that a lot. You will see people on the news or people in your life who stand up for someone and they do the right thing but they don't do it for the right reasons. And in those cases, they'll often, when they're standing up, it's not just about building up their, their cause, building up their God. It's about building up themselves and tearing the other person down. So a lot of people would have been like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they would have stood before the king and said, hey, you suck, and we are not going to do this. You have done this, and you have done that, and you are the worst king ever, and no one should ever worship you. We love God, and we hate you, and they would have just torn him down. But what they did was still show their character, show who God was, show how they served God by standing there before a man who was threatening to kill them, a man who did not deserve their respect, but whose title gave him respect from them because of who they served. And so they said to him, your majesty, which is what he's called, your majesty, we will not do this because we love our God. They didn't throw in, you suck and you're wrong and we hate you. They said, we will not do this, your majesty, because we love our God. There are a lot of times in arguments on Facebook, on Twitter, on text with your parents where the argument is less about the cause and more about you or them kind of like throwing something in your face. So it's very much like you, you really agree, you really disagree with Jenna on something or you really disagree with Isabella on something or, or whatever. And they're having, like, let's just use Jenna and Isabella and they're having a fight. And it's, it's very much like, well, my case is absolutely right. And Jenna's like, Spider-Man is by far the best superhero. And Isabella is like, actually, I think that Iron Man is the best superhero. And so it starts out like that. Just go with me. It starts out like that. But then it becomes Jenna saying, oh, yeah, well, Iron Man sucks, and so do you. And that's why Spider-Man's better. And Jenna is, or Isabella, going back and forth, Isabella is like, oh, yeah, well, Spider-Man is poor and stupid, and, and, and you have weird hair or something like that. And so they just keep, it starts becoming insults, and it kind of starts becoming less about building up their point and more about tearing down the other person's point. It starts, le it becomes less about building up their belief and saying what they believe in and more about tearing down what the other people believe in. You see this all the time from people in the Capital C Church who, who not, don't just say the right way to live is to serve Jesus, to be like him. They will then say, and your faith is stupid, and you're stupid for following it. Now, if somebody ever came up to you before you were a Christian or when you were a kid, before you ever come to church, and said, you're living and you're really stupid right now, would you like to come to church with me? You're probably going to be like, uh, Mom, stop saying that. No, but you're probably going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, how can you talk to me like that? And it's going to truly affect your witness and affect who you are. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had courage and they stood up for what was right, but they did it in a respectful way. They did it in a godly way. And they said, we will not do this. You do what you have to do, but we believe in our God. We trust him. And they gave him respect. They told him what they believed. They didn't trash what he believed. They told them, told him what they believed. And then we go to uh, the next verse, which is chapter 3, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, 
the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surely tied, fell in, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Uh, we, we've probably, you've probably heard this story as kids. You've probably heard this story before. And so you picture like the little cartoon of, of the veggie tales or whatever else, flannel graph, something that you watch, Davy and Goliath. Like you see them like walking happily through the furnace and, and you see like the fires kind of shooting up, but everybody's like, oh man, it's hot in here. But, but in real life, when it actually happened, uh, I forget the exact number, but it's upwards of like 275, 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, we think a lot that like nine or 900, we think a lot that like 103 is super hot. And if you're outside and it's 103, you're sweating and it hurts and it sucks and it's awful and it's just uncomfortable and nothing that you can do really feels good and everything feels awful. When you get up to that high, uh, like if you bake something in the oven at like 450 or something, uh, it, it bakes because it's meant to bake. But if you put Oh, this is going to be awful. If you put like a cat in the oven at 450, it is going to explode and be awful. And so this is exp uh, this is hardcore. And so please don't ever do that with cats. Uh, and so, but my other option was much worse. Well, my, uh, and so, and so, the the furnace was so hot that the soldiers who threw them in died from the heat. That is how hot it is. If you've ever opened an oven or tried to grill out for a back-to-school bash and you get close to the fire and it hurts and you scar yourself or something, you realize you don't actually have to actually have to be in the fire for it to hurt. Just being near it hurts sometimes if it's hot enough, if it hurts enough, if the oven is hot enough. This furnace, this furnace was so hot that it killed people who were close, that even far back Nebuchadnezzar fell the heat and yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tossed into it. And they were tossed into it, tied up. They were tossed into it, and, and without God, they would have died immediately. Now, if you know anything about the story, you know what is going to happen. But I want to say this first. Even if they had died in this moment, it would not have erased the importance of their sacrifice. It would not have erased the, the truth of what they said. Because they said God would save them, and he did. But that can mean different things. Because God gave them the courage to stand up, and their example as martyrs, their example as, as men of the faith who did what was right even when they were killed would have mattered to someone else, and someone else would have come along and stood up before the king. Because that stuff matters when you stand up. We are conditioned to read books like Harry Potter, like Lord of the Rings, like uh, Spider-Man, like all, all these books and comic books and movies and everything that we see where the hero stands up and does what is right. And it's a really hard road. And then at the end of the day, he gets the girl and he gets the money and everything's perfect. Uh, and and we, we are conditioned to see that. And it's like, oh, well, if I stand up and do what is right, then everybody's going to love me and my life is going to be perfect. No. Because sometimes if you stand up before your job and you say, I do not believe this, I, I don't want to work here, they'll say, well, see ya. And sometimes you'll stand up before a teacher and, and say, you know what, I will not do this because of my faith. Or you stand up before a boss, you stand up before uh, some other figure of authority, something, someone, a friend, and you're like, I will not do this. Sometimes they will say, oh, you know, thank you for standing up. Thank you for your example. And some people will always think that. But sometimes they'll say, you're fired, or we're not friends anymore, or you suck, like something like that. And that hurts, but it does not mean that what you did wasn't right. And so if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had died here, they still stood up for what is right, and they still did it in a godly way, and God was still with them. But, but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, 
Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. So not only were they not hurt, but there was a fourth figure in there with them. Now, one of the things that I've learned in theology, and there are people that agree, disagree, is anytime you see a physical form of the Lord, and even in the Old Testament, it's Jesus, even before he was born as a human. And so... Regardless, it's God in there with them in whatever form you believe there. But it's God, and he's with them, and he's protecting them, and they're walking around, and the heat is not touching them. And more importantly than that, the king, who had wanted everybody to worship him, everybody to love him, everybody to look to him instead of God, saw that. And regardless of how long he was changed, he was changed. Because you cannot stand before true goodness, true uh, examples of the Lord and not be changed. Now, a lot of people will be changed and then change back because they've gotten away from it, because they forget, because things like that happen, like the Israelites when, with the Red Sea and everything. But in this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar was like, man, this is legit. They follow a real God. I was wrong. Now, he went back to different ways, but other people in the court, other people that saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live, and more than that, other people that just saw them stand up but do it in a respectful way, a godly way, they were changed. And they may not have ever gone up to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, hey, that day that you stood up before the king and then you survived the fire and you lived as godly men, that really changed my life. Now, it may have changed their life. There will be times where you do something right, you do something good, you do something helpful, and you do it for good reasons. You do it to show God. You do it not for glory. And people will come up and say, hey, you know, a couple years ago, you really helped me out. A couple years ago, something you said, something you did, how you handled something, it really affected my life. The courage you showed for the Lord really affected my life. Some people will say that, but some people will never say that. Because think about people who have affected your life, uh, not just for Christ, but in any good way. People who have done something good for you, people who have helped you, people who have meant something to you. Most of the time, we don't say something to them about it. Now, if it's a relative or somebody close, we will. But most of the time, if we see a good example, we see someone who does something good and it affects us, we don't really say something. That doesn't mean that you're ungrateful. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that we don't think like that all of the time. So just because nobody has come up to you and said, you know what, when you were getting bullied or when you were getting made fun of or when you were in a fight or when you were called before the principal or when, when you were in that game when you got hurt, whatever it is, just because nobody's come up to you and said, you really affected me that day by standing up, by showing courage, by showing Christ. That doesn't mean that they weren't changed, that they weren't affected, that they weren't helped. Because we don't do it for people to say it. We do it for people to feel it. And, and so that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They stood up and people were changed. These are people who were not, uh, you know, they weren't gods themselves. They were just people. Uh, they weren't ministers. They weren't priests. They weren't missionaries. They weren't disciples. They were just people who lived for God and said, I'm going to do what is right no matter what it costs me. And, and in their case, it gave them this ability to be remembered through time, not for who they were, but for what they have done. Because 
if you study history, you study the Old Testament, you can find out more about their life and everything they did and everything they are. But 99% of the people that hear this story only know this story. They don't know anything about them because who they were, what they had done did not matter. It's the fact that in this moment they stood up for God and it made a difference. So in your life there will absolutely be times where the best case, the best cause is for you to be patient and wait for God to speak to you. Wait for God to show you the path. But there will also be times where you feel right away what is right to do. And even though it will cost you, you know that it's right to stand up. You know that it's right to stop that kid from being bullied. You know that it's right to stop those people from making fun of someone. You know that it's right to say something about an injustice, to say something about something that went wrong, to show God to someone. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in those cases, do it respectfully. Don't do it to point the spotlight on you or to point the spotlight even on faith on the church faith, but do it to point the spotlight on God and do it in such a way that people are like, wow, I've seen people stand up before, but they stood up and showed God in such a way that it mattered. And they may never say that to you, but it will matter because courage is something that, that you can feel at all times. Uh, one of the things that I've said about courage and bravery, a lot of us, most of us, we feel scared sometimes. You feel you're afraid to stand up. You're afraid to pray. You're afraid to do what's right sometimes. And, and so you're like, well, I'm not very brave. No, that's not right, because bravery, courage, they only come when you have fear. Because if you're never afraid, then you're never going to be brave because you're just doing whatever. But if you have fear and yet you act through it, you stand up through it, you stand up despite it, that is true courage, that is true bravery. And, and so God will help you just as he helped Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so for whatever it is, if you stand up for what is right, when you feel that it is right to do it, and you're doing it for the right reasons, God will be with you. And no matter what happens to you from there, whether you get in trouble or you get applauded, whatever it is, that will make a difference because your life makes a difference. Because there are a lot of people who think, well, the only way to become a Christian is by going to church and hearing the pastor talk and that's what it has that's what church is most people the vast majority of people will not come into this building and hear tim or julie or myself talk but they will see you guys out in the world living and that is how you minister that is how you show people who christ is that is how you show people the courage of the lord shadrach meshach and abednego stood up and whatever the pastors of the time the rabbis of the time were saying it was important it was good but only their congregation heard it but everyone saw what Shadrach Meshach and Abednego had done and they saw them stand up they saw the Lord through that so your life matters your life is what God has given you to make a difference to stand up to show him in everything that you do and everything that you are and to do it in a loving a respectful a true way that's all I got